This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Black people, the insurrection, racism. Yo, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's November 8th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. We did not get kicked off YouTube yesterday. Very exciting. Uh, if you haven't subscribed wherever you watch, please do so you have a at least a fighting chance of getting our videos. Uh, as always, there's a post-game show at rubinreport.locals.com. And in case you're wondering what that very quick cold open was, that was Representative Congresswoman Cori Bush who is a member of the Hamas caucus. And yesterday, uh, Rashida Tlaib, who I would say is the leader of the Hamas caucus. Well, I would say she's the most committed to the cause. AOC is probably the leader. You know, t she's like the Cobra commander of the Hamas caucus. Rashida Tlaib is like doing a lot of the dirty work. So she's more of the destro of the thing. If you guys can join me on a little uh, G.I. Joe uh, metaphor. Uh, anyway, Rashida was censured yesterday by Congress. Yes, something actually good happened. Uh, it is my belief that Rashida Tlaib is a Hamas supporter. She is a terrorist sympathizer. I don't think she likes America. I think she would gladly undo America, just like AOC and Cori Bush and Ilhan Omar and the rest of them. Uh, so that's what we're gonna start with today, the censure of Rashida Tlaib and why she got censured and uh, why it's actually good that she got censured and what it actually means. Uh, and then, of course, we'll show you some of the hysterics that happened on the House floor, Cori Bush and others, when it did happen. Uh, and then in about 15 minutes from now, you know, yesterday I mentioned that Jim Jordan had this, uh, this bombshell yesterday, or two days ago, actually, that government has been colluding with big tech to censor all sorts of people. Now, we've, we've known this to certain degrees, but now he's got like, Docs. He's got a whole bunch of files and, and direct emails showing how big tech colluded directly with the government. The government said, hey, we don't like these people. You got to silence these people. He sent out that long Twitter thread. If you watched the show yesterday, we covered that. I was included as one of the people that they hit on that. And I said that I wanted to talk to Harmeet Dillon because she is one of, if not the premier First Amendment lawyers in the United States. And what I am curious, I've discussed it with her once or twice, but I really want to whittle it down now. Uh, what are your, what is your recourse as a citizen in the United States when we now have factual information that the government has trampled on your First Amendment rights? Do you, do you get some cash? Do you get somebody to show up at your door and say, I'm from the government and I'm sorry? Uh, I don't know, we'll find out that. So Harmeet will be joining us in about 15. And then of course, you know, the, uh, the third Republican debate is tonight in Miami, so I will be there tonight. We also will be doing a post-game show live from Miami. We're gonna do, some, I'm gonna go to the debate and then I'm gonna leave a little bit early so I can get back here and we're gonna do a night version of the show. We're gonna darken the studio, maybe some dark LEDs, maybe some tequila, we shall see what happens. Uh, anyway, all that. Uh, and more on the show today. Let's talk about Gravity to Fire and then we'll get to it. Guys, I wanna tell you about something that's been making my days a whole lot easier. 
gravity defier shoes. These shoes are something else, guys. I mean, I'm always a fan of comfortable footwear. You can tell that about me. But these shoes take it to a whole new level. More than just shoes, they're basically clouds for your feet. I'm not joking. In a double-blind study by Olive View, UCLA Medical Center, and published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful shock absorption system put into a shoe. Gravity Defier has this patented VersoShock technology. It's like a mini trampoline in your shoes. Whether you're strolling through the park, running errands, or even just lounging at home, these shoes have got your back, well, I should say your feet. Even better, they're stylish. You get both comfort and style that looks good and feels great. So here's the deal. This Gravity Defier offer is exclusive to the Rubin Report. Head over to gdefy.com. That's gdefy.com. Use the promo code Ruben20 at checkout and get an extra $20 off your first order. This is a $20 discount as a thank you from Gravity to Fire for being with us today. Why not treat your feet to some well-deserved comfort? Check out gdefy.com. Use promo code Ruben20 and give your feet the love they need. All right, now back to me. So yes, a good day in Congress. Congress actually did something for the American people. They voted to censure Rashida Tlaib. And as long as I live in this country with my ability to tell you what I think and get out there and fight for what I believe in, I have no problem telling you that I believe she is a Hamas supporter. I believe she believes that terrorism is a legitimate means to get whatever ends that she wants. I think she would gladly import all of that stuff here. I don't think she likes the United States of America. I think she's bad news. Am I being clear about what I think about this woman? We kind of got it. Uh, anyway, uh, you might be saying, Dave, that's a little bit overboard. I mean, she's not so bad, is she? Uh, well, there was a series of things that have happened, a series of tweets uh, and videos that she has posted since the, the horrific attacks in Israel on October 7th. Uh, that got her into hot water. But the one that seems to have pushed it over the edge that led to the censure vote uh, was this one directly going after President Biden and, ex well, just take a look. We stand with Israel. The American people are not with you on this one. Innocent civilians are going to be hurt going forward. I wish I could tell you something different. I wish that that wasn't going to happen, uh, but it is, it is going to happen. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. Remember, in 
All right, so she's basically threatening the President of the United States. My pen almost ran out of ink as I was writing down all of the nonsense in there. But before I share my opinions on this, why don't I share a bit from the House of Representatives who explained in a letter, explained why they were censuring her in the first place, uh, her use of the word resistance in her statement on the Hamas attack, where she argued that the suffocating, dehumanizing conditions in the Palestinian territories could lead to resistance. Her claim that Israel bombed a hospital in Gaza despite contradictory evidence. She later acknowledged that the Gaza Health Ministry's claims were in doubt and called for an independent investigation. Her use of the slogan, from the river to the sea, a slogan that many view as anti-Semitic, but it is viewed as a call for freedom and equality uh, by many Palestinians. Uh, okay, so look. The river to the sea thing, let's just do that quick. You've got the river, you've got the sea. You know what's right in between those two things? It's Israel. So when you call Palestine will be free from the river to the sea, you are talking about wiping out Israel. That's about eight million Jews. You got about two million Muslim Arabs who are, are very happy actually to be citizens of Israel and fight in the army and have equal rights and all of that. Uh, so she knows damn well she's calling for genocide while she is accusing Israel of committing genocide, uh, which of course is absolutely absurd because if you look at the last 50 years of Gaza, the population of Gaza has basically 5X, right? So five times it's gone up, not, not it didn't double or triple, five times. Uh, so that is not a genocide. Also, it is very sad that, well, according to the Gaza Health Ministry, 10,000 people have been killed. That, I mean, that's taking Hamas's word for it. But let's just say 10,000 people have been killed. First off, a huge amount of them are fighters and Hamas supporters and, and all of those things, on top of the fact that they still have 200 uh, hostages, including babies and elderly people, Holocaust survivors and everything else, on top of the atrocities they committed, like every state has a right to defend its citizens, uh, and not only a right, I would say actually a duty, uh, but Hamas, of course, uses these people as human shields. They put these people in hospitals. She lied about the hospital bombing. By the way, there's a hospital in Israel, in Ashdod, that's been bombed three times. Somehow that doesn't make it uh, to the New York Times. Uh, but in that video, so she's sort of threatening uh, President Biden that, you know, if you don't do what we want, what we want, what we the American people want. It's not the American people. The American people, by and large, uh, are much brighter than she is and much more decent than she is, and they do support Israel, as they would support any Western nation defending itself from a bunch of bloodthirsty jihadists. Uh, yes, you can point to some of these crazy rallies where they are calling for jihad, and she's all for that, and they are calling for genocide and everything else. But did you notice that when they show you the states, when she shows the little logo of the states and Ohio, what did it say under Ohio? It said, uh, no peace on stolen land. That's what this is really about, and I actually think that that was intentional, uh, because they think that America is stolen land. That is what they think, that is what they believe, and they are trying to undo all of the West. So if you think that what they think is, oh, well, it's just the Jews that aren't supposed to be in the ancient land of Israel, right? And that, then they'll wrap it up after that. No, it's that the Americans are not supposed to be in Ohio or Michigan or anywhere else. Like that is what they are trying to undo. And she is just, she is the leader of the Hamas movement in the United States, full stop, period, end of sentence. But she's got some cohorts with her. Here's Ilhan Omar having a breakdown on the floor after the censure vote. What is true here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. 
Rashida will stand strong. Gentle ladies, time has expired. And the movement will continue for liberation until every single Palestinian has the right to live in Gentlemen from Maryland is recognized. Okay, uh, I made a mistake, actually. That wasn't after the censure. That was right before. So they were debating the censure. That's Ilhan having a conniption about it. Um, do you think that that woman cares about Americans? Have you ever shown, have you ever seen a video of her yelling with that? I mean, it's all theater with these people. They're LARPers. They're live action role players. They, they rehearse these speeches, their body language and all of that stuff. Have you ever seen her be so passionate about Americans or American lives. It's strange that she's not screaming about the 12, we believe it's 12, it's a little unclear still, 12 American hostages that are being held by Hamas. And when she talks about the liberation of the Palestinian people, uh, what she means is the death of an awful lot of Jews. Uh, we did find one other video. Uh, this was, I believe, right after. This is, we found this one. This was a Rubin Report special of Ilhan right after that moment. Take a look. Meine Arbeit für Richtigkeits Ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich mich in diesen Jahren für dich eingesetzt habe, dass ich anständig meine Zeit verwendet habe im Dienste meines Volkes. Gib du jetzt deine Stimme ab, wenn ja. See what we did there, yeah. Uh, but this not, should not surprise any of us. I mean, this is what these people have brought to America. Imagine the gall of Ilhan Omar, who was brought up in Somalia, which is a place filled with sectarian violence, where virtually nobody has liberty or independence or any of those things that she purports to care about. And she comes to this country to become a congresswoman to, un to upend all of the goodness that we offered her. Uh, if you care for an interview with a much much better Somali immigrant. Uh, my interview with Ayan Hirsi Ali, who many of you know, who has come to this country to be a freedom fighter and fight for actual American values and individual rights and all that. I interviewed her in, uh, in London at the ARC conference. Uh, that will be up, uh, I believe, in a day or two. Should be up. That will be up on Monday. Uh, so stay tuned on that. We shot about 20 interviews, so we're laying them out over the course of the week. Uh, anyway, Ilhan, is, she's just no good. She is just no good. And instead of, and this is what they do with everything, as you know, instead of pointing to the bad people, oh, you know, on October 6th, there were no Jews or Israelis in Gaza. They could have done whatever they wanted. Actually, they had a ton of money because their leaders have all gotten rich. The leaders of Hamas are worth about $11 billion dollars. They, nobody wanted that land or anything. Then they decided to kill all these people and kidnap them, kidnap them and any, everything else. But instead of pointing to the people who are the real problem here, who have caused all of this, what is Ilhan always doing? Well, she's usually blaming MAGA and white men. Uh, you might remember this a couple months ago. I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country, because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. We should be more fearful of white men. Do you see how absolutely brain-numbingly ridiculous identity politics makes people? She wants people to be walking down the street afraid of white men, because they are white. You guys are white. You don't scare me. You think you scare me? These people are just terrible. You, you know that. You know all of that. But speaking of terrible people, let's just run with that for just a little bit. Cori Bush is another member of the Hamas caucus. She's sort of, I would say she's the dumbest of all of them. AOC, like, 
she's, she's kind of like an idiot, but she's very calculating and she knows how to use media. So I put her as the leader. Rashida's like the most committed and she's like a genuine racist. I'd put Ilhan in that bucket. Cori Bush is just like the extra one that they were like, could we just find an idiot who could just like scream and genuflect and swing her arms all over the place and scream a bunch of stuff that she has no idea what she's talking about. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we found Cori Bush. Here she is. Of a, a lack of care and a lack of understanding and a lack of seeing the humanity of folks who look like Rashida Tlaib. It's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, it's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol just appeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia and more right here in this workplace. This is the place. And let me say this. She mourns for the 1400 Israelis. The gentlelady's time has expired. She mourns for the 10,000 and she will not stop. No no has more ceasefire now, and she takes the, the death threats that you all send. That, that the gentlelady is no longer speaker. recognized. The gentleman from Maryland. To hurt, to hurt the desire to save lives is greater. Gentle, gentleman from Maryland is recognized. Okay. What I said. Note that I don't have to scream, nor wave my arms, nor thrash around my head, or have trouble breathing when I tell you that that woman is a deeply anti-American, anti-white bigot and buffoon. See how easy that was? That was easy. I don't even know that I had a heartbeat during that whole thing. It was very, very easy to do. But what these people do is overly emote and they act, again, LARPing, live action role playing. They are pretending to believe any of the things that they said. Nobody cares that Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian. It's because she supports Hamas. And if she really cared about the Palestinian people, she would want them liberated from Hamas. Again, Israel has not had a citizen in Gaza since 2005. The entire world would have loved that place to turn into the second great place uh, on the Mediterranean coast right there with Tel Aviv, just miles south. Right? and thrown it in the Jews' face. See, we made a place even nicer than Tel Aviv. They could have done it, they could have done it, but instead they literally took pipes that were sent to them to build water infrastructure under the ground and they turned it into rockets. So thus, when you have to defend bad ideas and bad people, you have to scream and you have to thrash around and go completely berserk. The other thing you have to do also is shed crocodile tears. So here's Rashida herself. And anti-Semitism makes us all less safe and worry that your own child might suffer the horrors that six-year-old Wadiat did in Illinois. I can't believe I have to say this, but pa Palestinian people are not disposable. We are human beings, just like anyone else. My city, my grandmother, 
like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. The cries of the Palestinian and, Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why? What? I don't understand. Is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. We cannot lose our shared humanity, Mr. Chair. <laughs> the shared humanity? Where is the shared humanity? I mean, it's just... Oh, oh, thank you. I, it's just because Rashida, she loves everybody. You know what I mean? It's those white people that hate everybody. <laughs> like they hate everybody, and, and Rashida's a good woman. And, and You get extra guacamole today. That was good. That was good. Anyway, her crocodile tears, the psychotic screaming of those other two and a couple of their other friends, it did not work because, yes, she was censured. Here is new House Majority Leader Mike Johnson officially announcing that it has passed. On this vote, the yeas are 234 and the nays are 188 with four answering present. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Okay. So yes, it happened. She will be removed from a couple of her positions, which that is good. This person should be ignored. And, and if you are a Democrat, if there are any Democrats watching this, if you are a Democrat, you should not want these people in your party. The inmates are running the asylum. And there might be a way to restore a decent Democrat party, right? There might be a way to revert the Democrat party back to a JFK type Democrat party, or even a, even a, hey, I don't know, maybe a Bill Clinton Democrat type party. Uh, it's a damn shame that they got rid of Robert F. Kennedy, who's now an independent, because he saw that the whole, that the writing was on the wall and the inmates were running the asylum and all that stuff. There might be a way to make it so that the Democrats aren't completely psychotic and racist and want to destroy the United States of America. But if there is, it's on you guys, the Democrats, because I ain't no Democrat. It's on you guys to figure out how, what you are going to do with these people. Because trust me, this is not about G the Jews and it ain't about Israel. What this is about ultimately is destroying the United States of America and the, they are in the house, right? The killer is calling from upstairs and his name is Rashida Tlaib. Uh, all right, we're gonna get to Harmeet and this whole uh, fracas around uh, the government and big tech silencing Little old Dave Rubin and a couple other people. Uh, but before we do, let me tell you about Start Mail. Guys, are you tired of being targeted with phishing emails? Fed up with spam cluttering your inbox? Concerned about companies like Google or the government spying on your private conversations? Then it's time to switch to Start Mail. Start Mail is a secure alternative to Gmail that lets you send emails like they're in a sealed envelope. <clears throat> excuse me, making sure your communication stays private and secure. Services like Google collect your data and use it for targeted ads. Startmail is a strictly ad-free service that does not collect or share any data with third parties with third parties for advertisement or tracking. Your Startmail account comes with all the features you need, including unlimited disposable email addresses to protect your inbox 
from phishing scams and hacking attempts. Switching to StartMail is super easy. If you're worried about your old emails stored on Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and more, they've got you covered. StartMail's hassle-free migration tool lets you move your emails and contacts with just a couple clicks, no technical knowledge required. Over the past decade, StartMail has become a trusted name in email privacy, so why wait any longer? Switch to StartMail and experience the peace of mind that comes with a truly secure email service. Sign up today and save 50% on your first subscription year. Go to startmail.com Dave and join millions of people who are moving away from big tech to secure email providers. That's startmail with a T dot com slash Dave. And that is a perfect advertiser for the segue into big tech censorship. So very quickly before I bring on uh, First Amendment lawyer Harmeet Dillon, I wanna just recap what Jim Jordan revealed two days ago. Here's a, a shorter version of his Twitter thread. Bombshell report on the censorship industrial complex. Hundreds of secret reports show how that the DHS Gov and CISA Gov, which is Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and the GEC, which is the State Department, Stanford University, and others worked together to censor Americans before the 2020 election, including true information, jokes, and opinions. The federal government disinformation experts, experts over at universities, big tech, and others worked together through election through the election integrity partnership to monitor and censor american speech according to one eip member the eip was created at the request of cisa the head of the eip also said that the eip was created after working on some monitoring ideas with cisa here's how it worked eip stakeholders including the federal government would submit misinformation reports eip would analyze the report and find similar content across platforms eip would submit the report to big tech often with a recommendation on how to censor the judiciary GOP and weaponization, uh, uh, that's the weaponization of government department, obtained these non-public documents and information from Stanford only after the threat of contempt uh, of court. Who was targeted? Americans of all political stripes, but especially conservatives. And here's just a couple, Donald Trump, Newt Gingrich, Mike Huckabee, Sean Hannity, Harmeet Dillon, that's P-N-G-A-B-A-N, that's Harmeet, uh, Charlie Kirk, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, it didn't stop there, even went after Newsmax. Rubin Report, I can't believe it, I like that guy, James O'Keefe. Uh, and uh, he finished up by saying, what speech was targeted for censorship? True information, jokes, and political opinions. <coughs> Excuse me. So with no further ado, allow me to bring on the founder of the Dillon Law Group, the former candidate for the RNC chair against Ronna McDonald, uh, and, uh, McDaniel, and unfortunately that didn't work out. The results last night are proof of that. Harmeet Dillon, how are you? I'm great, thanks for having me here, Dave. Harmeet, I should also mention before we start, so I can cough for a second, you also live in San Francisco, which I find so absolutely bizarre, but you're just trying to fight the good fight there still, huh? This is the jurisdiction, actually, for fighting big tech, and that's one reason why I haven't moved away, is the courthouse is uh, close to my office. Fair enough. All right, so let's dive into the specifics on this. Obviously, you, you've been on the show uh, many times. We've talked about First Amendment issues related to big tech. You've sued Google before. You're in the midst of a, a bunch of lawsuits related to all of this. But can you explain a bit, uh, or can you unpack, I guess, a bit of what Jim Jordan was talking about there specifically? And then, of course, I want to talk about what are the, the ways that someone whose rights might have been infringed could actually go after the government. Well, absolutely. So what we have seen in this interim report from Jim Jordan is a fascinating 
set of additional pieces of a mosaic. But this picture started to emerge actually back in 2021, very soon after the election. And what we found there is the Judicial Watch first did some work regarding um, public records requests from, from California. And we found in California that the National Association of Secretaries of State, which is featured in this uh, report, as well as uh, money from taxpayers and the California Secretary of State was used to censor speech in California, where Twitter is and other social media companies are headquartered. So mm -hmm. we at the Center for American Liberty, my nonprofit, filed a lawsuit over this back in 2021. And that lawsuit has made its way up to the courts through up to the Supreme Court, where we're sitting right now waiting for search. So in the Ninth Circuit, where I live and where I practice, the courts have not recognized a claim by a citizen who was censored on social media at the behest of the government to sue and recover any relief. But on the other hand, in Missouri, the Secretary of State of Missouri and other Secretaries of State sued the government more recently last year on behalf of scientists, including my friend Jay Bhattacharya and others, mm -hmm. who were censored on their truthful and scientific speech about a host of issues related to vaccines. <clears throat> and the court reached the opposite result there this past summer in a very scathing opinion saying that where the government tells private parties, social media companies, what they can and cannot say, that is violation of the First Amendment. And so now that case is also sitting in the United States Supreme Court because the Biden administration has been fighting for its right at the federal level to censor your speech. And now along comes this report, which is very interesting from a legal perspective because what it shows, and this is legally relevant, is that the government was aware, our federal government was aware that it had to hide mm -hmm. its censorship activity. Mm -hmm. It could not openly say elections are unsafe, we have a right to come in there and shape what you see, because that's what fascists do in banana republics. That's not what we do here in America. It's illegal in America. So they knew what they were doing was wrong, and they used proxies, like these puppets that they set up in these pseudoscientific university efforts in multiple universities with Stanford and some others to censor your speech. And so they come up with these pseudo scientific ways of analyzing whether disinformation is spreading in some kind of viral way. They use the actual terms of diseases mm -hmm. to describe our accurate commentary. In my case, the example, and of course this is an incomplete report, but the example that Jim Jordan tweeted of my speech was simply that I was talking to two of my colleagues at my law firm on election day in 2020 and saying, hey, I'm getting reports from Pennsylvania that things are going okay in parts of Pennsylvania, but they're a complete disaster in Philadelphia. Check, 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 all accurate. And that was somehow deemed to be unsafe speech because I specifically called out the attorney general over there and questioned what was going on there. And so um, when you multiply this by thousands of speakers and tweets and comments that have been taken down, we know that the First Amendment has been violated. Now we are waiting with bated breath for the United States Supreme Court to fully decide this issue. And if they decide it the way the Ninth Circuit wanted, then you have no rights and they can go ahead and censor you surreptitiously using proxies, using, by the way, universities where the same students who are doing this work mm -hmm. are shouting... Mm -hmm. Uh, the most vile thing, so propaganda is coming from the very places that the censors are coming from. 
Um, so I think we're at a real crossroads here on the First Amendment, the first of our most important civil liberties in this country. Right, and it should be noted that even if whatever you were saying or I was saying or Jay Bhattacharya was saying was complete nonsense, you still have a right, a First Amendment right to share complete nonsense, even though that wasn't the case, let's say, in the three of us, but you do have a First Amendment right to say crazy things. I mean, yes, look, what I, look, look what I just showed on the, on the floor of the house from yesterday. Um, wh what do you, what would you want a proper recourse to be? So let's say these cases go in the direction that you want them to go and they work their way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court actually rules, boy, uh, these people's First Amendment rights were violated. The government actually went out of its way to create these sort of banana agencies to silence people and everything else. Like what? what is the win other than us seeing it? Because I think that's what most people think at this point. We have sort of like farcical Senate hearings and we expose a lot of things, but nothing tangibly ever tangible ever comes out of this stuff. Well, so what we need is a injunction from the Supreme Court, endorsed by the Supreme Court on the government, using proxies or itself telling regulated entities, social media companies, what to, what they can show. That is what is needed. But beyond that, the reveal that Jim Jordan showed us is very important legally because, nor, and I, I probably sued the government more than any Republican lawyer in America. And what you learn in the course of doing that is that unless you can prove that a government official did something wrong and that they knew it was wrong and it was clearly established to be wrong, you cannot hold that government official personally liable for damages. And so when we see that the government actually went about this in a surreptitious way, which to me clearly implies they knew that what they were doing was prohibited by the First Amendment, that allows you potentially to pierce that qualified immunity veil and get damages from the individuals. Now, are they really going to pay it themselves? They are if they get identified by their agencies. But making real cash change hands and also having injunctions and having a federal judge who sets a monitor, whose job it is to monitor the government agencies that have been doing wrong and hold them accountable and make them come into court, hanging their heads and describe what they've been doing to fix the problem. That is what is necessary. Of course, also attorney's fees paid to the attorneys who do right. the work to expose these things. Right, so if, wait, if I understood you correctly though, the, the damages would be paid by the actual people who did this, not, not the government itself. So it's basically some like mid-level guy who is like, yeah, I don't like Dave Rubin's tweet on COVID. I'm gonna delete that. And then I have to go after that guy who you know makes whatever he makes with his government salary to, to get anything. And again, I don't. I actually don't want money out of this. I want I want truth. And I would love actually a letter from the United States government saying, Dave, yeah, we, we censored you and we're sorry. Like that actually, and we're not going to do it again. How about that? That that might be enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. So you know the the answer is that's right. So dating back to my clerkship in the United States Department of Justice in the early nineties, I'm dating myself now. There really is a very limited remedy at the federal level for federal violations of your civil rights. Uh, there used to be a common law cause of action called Bivens, but the Supreme Court has really whittled that down. I have spoken to Jim Jordan and other members of Congress. I've testified in front of Congress repeatedly. What is needed is a social media and media users bill of rights mm -hmm. that allows citizens a private right of action to sue the federal government, hold the federal government liable for damages and attorney's fees and all of that, and punitive damages for violating our First Amendment and our other important, fundamental, well-established civil rights. We don't have that. And I'm sorry to say that many Republican members of Congress, like Democrats, 
are in the pockets of American corporations, including big tech corporations. They want nothing more than to have their own accounts, you know, free to say whatever they want or get checks from these companies. Many conservative organizations are in the same boat as well. I, I called out CPAC many years ago for mm -hmm. allowing Google to be a platinum sponsor of CPAC at the same time that my client, James Damore, was fired yeah. from yeah. Google for simply saying true things. And so we really had to get our act together in this and understand that the corporation worship of the 1970s, 80s, and 90s in the Republican Party, it needs to stop. And we need to understand that corporations today, they're regulated. I don't blame a corporation where the federal government is breathing down your neck and the FTC has power over you and, and senators are threatening to take away your uh, Communications right. of Decency Act community. I don't blame them for paying right. the paying the you know vigorish, uh, if you will, to be able to stay in business. So we have to protect them and protect ourselves. And that means people in Congress need to step up and give citizens rights because this is a rampant, expansive, and unknown scope problem at this time. I, I believe Jim Jordan's tweet thread only scratches the surface. God knows what these people have been doing. Right, I always say, it's not the things that I know they're doing with shadow banning and everything else, it's all of the things that we don't know that I'm really worried about. I, w I wanna jump to two clips with you and then I wanna discuss some, some election stuff because obviously yesterday there was an election and you did run for RNC chair and, and I supported you, DeSantis supported you, had a ton of support, uh, but unfortunately we got Ronna McDaniel and, and clearly it ain't working out. So we'll get to that in just a sec. But I wanna throw back to this clip from about five years ago and, and I'm sure most of my audience will remember this. This is when uh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and Twitter head of legal Vijaya Gade were on Joe Rogan's show with Tim Pool, and it was obvious to many of us that there was massive censorship. We didn't know that the government was directly involved, uh, but CEO Jack Dorsey and head of legal, so she was in charge of all of the decision-making related to censorship, uh, she was getting grilled by Tim Pool on Rogan. Take a look. One really important thing that needs to be stated is that Twitter, by definition, is a biased platform in favor of the left, period. It's not, it's not a question. I understand you might have your own interpretation, but it's very simple. Conservatives do not agree with you on the definition of misgendering. If you have a, a rule in place that specifically adheres to the left ideology, you, by default, are enforcing rules from a biased perspective. Well, Tim, there are a lot of people on the left who don't agree with how we're doing our job either. For sure. And those people think that we don't take enough action on Absolutely. abuse and harassment and we let far too much behavior go. And well, they think but that that's Twitter a radical example, though. I mean, what he's talking about, I mean, in terms of generalities, the, the, in general, things lean far more left. Would you agree to that? I don't know what that means. But in this particular case, it's how the speech is being used. This is a new vector of attack that people have felt that I don't want to be on this platform anymore because I'm being harassed and abused and I need to get the hell out. So, of course, Tim Pool was right. And we now know that Vijaya and uh, what's it, Jack Dorsey, they are no longer at Twitter. Elon got rid of them very quickly. We'll get to a video of Elon on Rogan last week in just a sec. Uh, but when you, when you watch that in retrospect, it's like, man, she was basically an agent of the government. And Jack Dorsey, by the way, who said, even in a, in a tweet to me, that we do not shadow, shadow ban at Twitter, I was then at Twitter six months ago and they showed me under the hood the entire system that they have there was designed to shadow ban. So I suppose none of this surprises you in retrospect. Not at all. I mean, look, I've, like I said, I've been suing these companies for longer than anybody I know. And I was on a panel one time way many years ago with the head of litigation at, uh, at Facebook. 
And he used almost the identical words that the Jayagade just used. I mean, they actually, these guys talk to each other. This is when they're party line. Well, the left's not happy with us either. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not an answer to the problem. And, um, you know, what we now know is that the censorship industrial complex is way more vast and pervasive. And there are almost certainly censorship activities that have yet to be uncovered. And not, not to mention, I, I, I read an alarming report this morning about sock puppet accounts that our government is using to spread propaganda in foreign countries and probably our own country. And, you know, there are a lot of things that Elon hasn't had a chance yet to, to deal with. So um, none of that surprises me and none of that answers for the government, state and federal governments, pervasive censorship of American citizens. What happens at the federal level is just one part of it. I described to you the lawsuit we filed with Center for American Liberty for Rodeo Handling. That was California Secretary of State doing it. And mm-hmm. many other state secretaries of state have done that. And they have their own level of immunity, which makes it difficult to sue them in federal court over federal claims. So it's a it's a complicated situation. All right. So I want to flash forward now to five and a half years after that clip on Joe Rogan to Joe Rogan's show last week. So now he had Elon on and here's Elon basically saying that Twitter 1.0 run by those two people we just showed you right there was a government organization. What was that like? Is that to me, that was the most bizarre was the Twitter files when you let Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi and all those guys get in the Twitter and the, the response where Matt Taibbi gets audited. I mean, which is just wild. I mean, it's just so blatant and so in your face. Yeah, it's weird. No, I, I mean, the degree, yeah, the, the degree to which, and, and by, by the way, Jack didn't really know know this, but the degree to which Twitter was simply um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public. And uh, it, it was, there was no, it was whatever the official government, I mean, it was like Pravda, basically. Um, you know, it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter. It's a state publication. And was the justification from their perspective that they are progressive liberals, they have the right intentions, it's important that they stay in power, the progressive liberals stay in government and power, because this is the this is their... There, there was, there was uh, basically oppression of... Um, any any views that would even, I would say, be considered middle of the road. Um, but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like like far right. I'm just talking mildly right. The people, like Republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate of Democrats. Um, now, that's because uh, old Twitter was fundamentally controlled by the far left. It was like completely controlled by the, the, the far left. So, Harmeet, I think most people watching, they get it. They now see that uh, Elon has done good with Twitter. I think there's still a huge amount of problems there, and you just mentioned the sock puppet accounts. I mean, I'm seeing more bots and sock puppets. It's like, it's absolutely insane there, but he's clearly trying. Yeah. All of that being said, do you have hope that, say, Facebook and Google and YouTube, YouTube's the number two search engine, I think Twitter is now, uh, sorry, I think TikTok is now the number one search engine. Do you have any hope that any of these things could be reformed through the government well, or, or they're on their own? Well, so not on their own and not through the government, and God forbid that our freedom of speech hinges on the whims of one billionaire, much as we love right, him and right. we've done with, with Twitter. But uh, that cannot be the situation. And for years, like I said, I've been pleading with members of Congress who I have access to, do something about this. You just need to pass a law. We could have done it at the beginning of the Trump administration. They didn't do it. And it needs to be done. And this is a bipartisan issue. I do not want our... I don't want Republican presidents and Republican governments 
censoring the left either. People have a right to free speech in our country. And if you, by the way, if uh, if Twitter is Pravda, imagine what the New York Times and the Washington <laughs> Post and the San Francisco Chronicle and all these other rags. What are they? That is, so it's a it's a poorly kept secret that what we see has been heavily manipulated by our government for many years, and citizens should have a right and a private right of action. Believe me, if lawyers start filing lawsuits and real money exchanges hands, this will stop. All right, well, hopefully this is just the beginning of some of this stuff being exposed, and then and then people like Jim Jordan on the government side and people like you on the legal side doing something about it. I wanna shift for just a couple minutes, uh, because as I mentioned, you did run for uh, the head of the RNC. Rana McDaniel won unfortunately, and yesterday we did have an election and it did not go well for Republicans once again. I've got a little info here from CBS. Democrats scored victories in several states in Tuesday's off-year election. Ohio voters will enshrine abortion access in the state's constitution, and Democratic incumbent Governor Andy Bashir won his re-election in Kentucky, CBS News projects. Two big victories for Democrats as President Biden faces daunting polls regarding his re-election prospects in 2024. Democrats also took control of Virginia's House of Delegates and retained their hold on the majority in the state Senate. According to the Associated Press, and Harmeet, before I have you jump in, my friend Kurt Schickler, who's been on the show many times, uh, he wrote this on Twitter, great work, GOP chairwoman, that's Ronna McDaniel, another defeat in her unbroken record of failed election cycle, a special shout out to Donald Trump for his support for her great work. So it was an odd thing because most of the base did not like Ronna, they liked you. Donald Trump, however, supported her. Ron DeSantis supported you. So it had very, very strange uh, bedfellows. That was similar to the speakership thing where the base seemed to hate uh, Kevin McCarthy, but Trump was into McCarthy. What do you make of what's going on with the Republican Party at a national level? I am a Florida Republican, but at a national level, I, I don't know what to do with this party. Well, so first of all, you have a great governor in Florida, and uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the governor as the governor. We'll, we'll gladly take uh, you over here. We'll <laughs> gladly take you. He's a great governor. And I also represent President Trump and his campaign in multiple cases, dozens of cases. And so I'll choose my words very carefully. Um, yes, I made a run for RNC chair. I was drafted by many members of the RNC who believe that we needed to do things differently to win elections. And very popular outside the RNC. And the 168 members of the RNC, in their wisdom, they chose to select the status quo. So I think if you have a beef with what happened, you should you know, find out how your members of the RNC in your state, their three in each state or territory, voted and give them a piece of your mind because we have upcoming leadership elections at the RNC. Now, the voters chose Rana, and I've you know, congratulated her, and I'm doing everything I can to support her. I've been called on very little over the last uh, year to do anything within the party. And so we're doing our work outside the party. And what I tweeted this morning is there is no cavalry coming, guys, in the states. Yeah. There's no federal RNC welfare coming to bail you out. The fact is that the way we do elections in America has changed. And the sweet spot for all of us who want to win elections is targeting Republican or conservative or even moderate leaning low propensity voters and getting their ballots in by all means necessary. So people sitting behind Twitter keyboards can sit on their butts and talk about, oh, well, first you need to shut down the machines and X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a perfect world, I would have it be paper ballots voting on election day. 
We aren't in a perfect world. States that election laws get with the program and figure out how to win elections. When you have our excellent candidate in Kentucky outspent by more than three to one, yep. um, it's literally the job of the Republican Governors Association to raise that money and spend it. What happened there, guys? Um, and then in other places... Uh, I, I'm going to hear, I'm sure, some after-party analysis about, oh, we need to get our story straight on abortion and what the messaging needs to be. Well, the RNC does pay tens of thousands of dollars a month on you know, consulting fees of uh, communications officials. That's not really working out very well. So again, everybody should figure out what the message is that works in your jurisdiction for your candidate and for your state. You cannot hide from this issue. We have to embrace it. And we have to have thoughtful, persuasive messaging on it, whatever that is and get out there and figure it out. And so that is my takeaway. The RNC's job is to elect a president, really, and everything else that has been piled on. Um, we've been doing it, but not winning over the last few years. States have a responsibility, and state parties do. So get off the Republican National Committee welfare, raise your own money, and get a paid army of signature and ballot gatherers out there to get things done on ballot measures. This is what the left does. The left is getting... Is yep. Their plan is for the bait to be abortion-related uh, ballot measures in mm -hmm. their states. Where's our bait? What is our bait? It could be transgender bans. It could be so many things that turn out our voters. We Where's the money? So I would say figure it out and give local and act locally. There was one little nugget of decency that came out of the elections last night. This is a tweet from Lee Zeldin, who of course is unfortunately not governor of New York. He's still a representative up there. Suffolk County, that's Long Island where I'm from, just elected its first GOP county executive in decades, Ed Romaine. This is an enormous flip of a Long Island suburb from blue to red. So it is nice to know that in the place that I grew up, there is a little bit of sanity. Uh, Harmeet, I will give you the last word. Are you, are you hopeful? I mean, as we roll into this presidential election, and obviously you like both of those guys and everything else, are you hopeful that maybe there can be some reconciliation between those two camps and that the Republicans will kind of get their crap together, so to speak? Uh, I, I hope that uh, Governor DeSantis supports uh, President Trump. He's my choice for president, and I think that's the choice of most uh, Republican voters. And we have to sort of thread the needle here. My partners are flying around the country from hearing to hearing, defending the right of uh, President Trump to be on the ballot, which is, uh, you know, extraordinary that Insane. that yeah. unelected judges are substituting their their <clears throat> judgment there. So our republic is at great risk. I would not be sitting here doing this as a volunteer Republican if I did not have optimism. But optimism untethered from action and cash and hard work is is meaningless. So we really have to get out there and do the hard work in the next year. We have a year, and this is the most important year in my political life. Harmeet, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And when I get that mid-level bureaucrat to show up at my door with a note that says, we censored you, I'm sorry, I'm gonna send it to you so you can sign it, and then we'll, then we'll frame it. How about that? I love it, absolutely. All right, Harmeet Dillon, thanks so much. And uh, guys, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, guys, as you know, tonight is the debate in my new home of Miami, here is the NBC News promo for what's going to happen. NBC News hosts the Republican presidential debate, moderated by Lester Holt and Kristen Welker, joined by Hugh Hewitt. How would the candidates confront the critical challenges at home and abroad as the next commander-in-chief? Tomorrow at 8 p.m. 
God, the theater of all of this. It's like the orange man's not going to be there. He's going to be in Hialeah, which is about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so outside of Miami having a rally. It's like if there was ever a time, it doesn't matter who you're supporting right now, it really doesn't. If there was ever a time relative to everything that's happening in the world right now that we needed to have a debate, it doesn't matter who's up by 50 or 40 or blah, blah, blah. It's like we should be having this battle out, out in front and, uh, and everyone should be there defending their ideas. And unfortunately, that's just not where we're at. So I don't have any great illusions that something really incredible is going to happen tonight. I do sense, uh, notwithstanding what Harmeet just said, uh, I do sense that there has been a momentum shift in Iowa. I mean, really think about what happened in Iowa. If Trump is supposedly up by 50 points, how does it make sense that Kim Reynolds, the super popular governor of Iowa, who's just, she's just a gem, uh, that she's like, you know what, I'm going to back the guy down by 50, right? Because she's now campaigning with DeSantis. How would it make sense politically for her future, for her career or anything else to go against Trump, to go against MAGA? Do you think maybe something different's happening on the ground in Iowa and maybe the mainstream media doesn't want to cover that because maybe they think DeSantis is more of the threat? And maybe they think Trump's negatives are so high that he would be a great candidate to go against the elderly man pretending to be president. Do you think any of that's possible or am I just totally bananas? You tell me. We've got a post-game show coming up in just moments at rubenreport.locals.com. Also a reminder, our new show, People of the Internet, is streaming every day, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Uh, we're doing that in conjunction with the fine folks over at Tenet Media. My full interview from ARC with Eric Weinstein, a long-awaited return to the Rubin Report, uh, is up right now. And yes, we will be live in here, perhaps with some tequila and some dark lighting and glitter. What about some glitter? No glitter. I've been told no glitter. There is no glitter uh, at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. I thank you for watching. Our cold close is of that elderly. Watch, watch what happened. This is Biden yesterday. Just here we go. All right. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.